After two solid weeks of drought, it's the grand return of Justin Robert Young, stateside home soil, for Hotline Monday. Hello, Justin. Oh, man, it's good to be back. Is it? In America. You had a good time, though, yeah? I had a great time over there. Loved London. London was great. I visited Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm. Visited Bristol and saw uh, the 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 Yogs towers. Yeah, what'd you think, dude? Overblown or, or cool? Uh, Terpster has created like if you've ever so we both have studios in our own home. Sure, we yeah. got lights, we got computers, we're streaming everything out, we're doing switching, we're doing overlays, yada yada yada. Uh. I don't know if anything exists like exists in Bristol, England, like that, that they have set up. Everything is just perfectly framed. These immaculate cameras. It's all networked. Yep. It's all audio networked. Yep. So if they want to stream a, a big multiplayer thing from uh, one of like eight different offices, it's all got hardline audio running into a main switching uh, a room where they can bring up and mix the audio without having it go over the digital compression and everything. Yeah. Uh, man, I was just blown away. They're I into it, dude. They're into it. And yeah. I, I I should say that Terpster, when he came on there, is chiefly responsible for a lot of that organization. Like, a lot of what they're doing now well is because Terpster came in and said, all right, this needs to go or this needs to happen or this shouldn't happen and did it under budget and made that thing grow. And he's he's the man. And he's way – he's humble about it. He doesn't talk about it anywhere else. But uh, I mean, I was I was absolutely blown away with what they have there because I don't think that it, that there's really much of anything that exists like it that that's built for live streaming or recording in, in the way that it is. And, and I think that they're just doing such a great job. Well, they're killing it uh, today. We're going to kill it by bringing to you what we believe to be the definitive only source for a good Oscar preview. Not really, but look, we're getting no, to the... No, we're not going to talk about what, what's, what's going to happen with Oscar movies. Here's the deal. I want to know what everybody's favorite movie that you go and watch and either you realize beforehand, in the theaters, or afterward, that's just Oscar bait. Okay. Like, it's literally just there. So people who vote for the Academy Awards can give either an actor or a movie an award and okay. there and then there's all the tropes that kind of go along with it right yeah like there's all these like for a while it was just play a famous person right 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 like, especially if they're a singer because then you can have a big soundtrack right yep you were in every time if you did that yep. you know joaquin phoenix mm-hmm. come out be johnny cash mm-hmm. they can sing some johnny cash songs sure or dub over it bada boom <laughs> oscar right <laughs> You just you just always have like these uh, these things. Of course, famously, set your movie in World War Two. Yeah, that's a good one. Another some Nazis that always makes uh, you know the Oscar voting public uh, think about you in a different way. Mm-hmm. Play a mentally handicapped person. Mm-hmm. There's another one. <laughs> Right. Make Anthony Hopkins your grandfather. Like there's just there's a lot of things that go into an Oscar movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mastodon points out this is a lot of stuff that was happening with with with, uh, with Tropic Thunder is is to do all these different things. We're already getting them here in the chat room. Uh, Scott, where do people call in? 
Okay, here's what you do. 801-895-4724. That's the live number. We'd like to hear from you who you think should be considered this year, either so far or yet to come. We have a caller on the line right now. Who's this? Hey, it's Joe. Hey, Joe. What's going on? Where Where do you hail from, Joe? Where are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Are all the Ohio guys gone? Yeah, this is Joe in Charleston. I just wanted to say hi and welcome Justin Robert Young back. What are we talking about today? Uh, movies we think are going to win Oscars this year. What movies have you seen this year that you think will win? You're like an airport. Are you in an airport? Where are you? I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I got to go to Montreal tonight. I just wanted to call in. Uh, <laughs> let's say... Uh, God, I haven't watched any movies. I have a kid. Uh, well, let, gonna... me, let me ask you this. What are your favorite movies that, that won an Oscar that you're like, man, that's an Oscar bait movie? Yeah, Where's something that baited it. Bait? Yeah. Well, I, I would go down the path of uh, old uh, Scott Johnson there with uh, Fury Road. <laughs> all right, um, all right. So that was 2015. Uh, I, I'm that, gonna, that, that was not... No one looked at that and said, okay, here's a movie that's going to win an Oscar, right? <laughs> I and, did, but I, but I, but I felt... Oh, you saw the movie, yeah. you liked it, yeah. and you said, this is so good, it should win an Oscar. Yeah, and I, and I said it's so good, it will be nominated, and no one believed me, and I felt like I might have been a little crazy myself. But yeah, I didn't actually, in my heart of hearts, ever think it was going to win Best Picture. I really didn't. So... And that's really what we're talking about here, right? Let's talk about, let's refine that. Best yeah. picture, best director. Best actor, best actor. Sure, the ones that, the, or, the big four. Or here's another one that's always a surefire one. Is wacky sister or wacky brother or wacky best friend for, uh, uh, for, for best supporting, yeah, right? Yeah. Or historical figure that just comes rolling in for 10 minutes and... And steals the scene because it's like, oh look, it's the Queen of England. I like hate- she's gonna like say like, bap, 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 here's my ten minute scene. Give me an Oscar. Do you, you kind of hate that it's that? Um, uh, no, I mean this. This is just the game. All right, it's just how it goes. Like this is only X amount of people vote for the Oscars. They obviously have a certain taste, so it makes sense that the people that are making movies that want to win will go ahead and cater to it. Here's Oscar bait this year. Uh, the Free State of Jones. Yeah. You want to identify Oscar bait in the wild? Yeah. Free State of Jones. Too bad it's so shitty, though. That, well, that doesn't matter sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You're right. But in I'm, the end, I mean, if it's really bad, like that movie's really bad from all accounts, most accounts. I don't think it even has a chance. Let's find out what this listener thinks. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Scott and Justin. It's Ian. I am Sci-Fi. Hey, man. It's good to have you on, as always. Hey, uh, what? To uh, yeah, what do you think? Uh, what's your Oscar bait for this year? And if not that, what? What's your favorite kind of bait? Well, of uh, the past couple of years, my favorite bait has been casting Michael Keaton in anything, mm. uh, because because he's a, he does he's had a pretty good track record the past couple of years, and I actually got to see a a preview screening uh, for the movie that's going to be his bait this year, uh, which is oh, the that, founder. That, that, that's the, the the McDonald's one, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about the founding of, of the McDonald's Corporation and uh, how the McDonald brothers uh, got uh, their restaurant basically rustled out of their hands. And it's, it's Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman, Laura Dern, all these great actors, Patrick Wilson's in it. Mm. And it comes out just in time to be, uh, uh, you know, up there for that's Oscar a nomination. That's, that's, a, a, that's a really good one. So what? OK, so Bird, Birdman starts this mm-hmm. for him, right? Because because you got to yeah. understand when he when Birdman hit. 
he was just coming off a co-starring role in the RoboCop remake. Okay, so so things <laughs> oh, went from. Oh, Keaton's got to work, man. Keaton's got to eat. He he will he will not care. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So he goes from that to Birdman, and then the world's his oyster. Big Short is a huge hit. He is. Oh no! By the way, by the way, yeah. you are wrong, Scott. What? What am I wrong about? I'm not afraid to call you out on this podcast. Give it because he was not just coming off a uh, a, a run as Raymond Sellers in the RoboCop remake. Yeah. He also, more recently, before Birdman, played the character of Monarch in the Need for Speed movie. <laughs> Which, by the way, sneakily, look at the cast on, on Need for Speed oh, no, right Need now. For, Need for Speed had a cast that should have made real waves. In it. Okay, look at yeah. this. Need for Speed's cast. Aaron Paul, yep. of course, Breaking Bad. Yep, Dominic yep. Cooper. Uh, from Preacher, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Imogen Poots, <laughs> who is, I don't know, from some other stuff. You just like saying Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots. Poots. Uh, I think Kid Cudi, uh, uh, the, the, the music person, Rami Malek from Mr. Robot, and Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey and Michael Keaton. Yep, and a whopping 3.9 on Metascore, 6.5 on uh, Apparently IMDb. is a pile of dog poop. Yeah, not a good movie, but a fine cast. You're not wrong about that. So, so there we go. So, so here's another Oscar bait thing. Just the next movie from a foreign director. Okay. And right. so that's where we go with Birdman, which there are certain directors that obviously just get, you know, they're in the prime of their career. They, they are making great work, and so people pay attention to them. Uh, Alejandro uh, uh, Inaratu is one of them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Michael Keaton just kills it in that movie, comes back next year, which was last year, with Spotlight, and now is going to be in The Founder. No, that's right, Spotlight. I said Big Short. I didn't mean that. I meant The Spotlight. Thank you for saying that so we can stop the emails now. But let's, but let's hear. Let's also identify something, because somebody in the chat room uh, brought it up about... Uh, about Snowden. Yeah. Is Snowden a, a Oscar contender? I think it could be because the timely political thing. Sure. Also it, Oscar. It's based. also, okay, yes. And it's Oliver Stone and it's this time of year and it's young Joseph Gordon-Levitt who seems to do no wrong. Also, it's very poorly reviewed and people do not think it will be a contender. However, I'll bet it's in the top. I'll bet it's in the 10 nominees. You think it'll be in the 10 nominees? Not because it's good, but because it, it, it adheres to like three or four bait standards. That it's a venerable, uh, uh, roguish director who did very daring work with Platoon and JFK and Born on the Fourth of July and always willing to just sort of prod the man a little bit, you know? And then yeah. you got uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who everybody's just waiting to have this big breakout thing. And he's uh, uh, beloved by young audiences and old audiences alike. And they've got the current event thing. Like you're you're firing on at least three major bait uh, guns there. Now here's you can't go too close to the sun on politics though, because then you get W, which I think was still when George W. Bush was in office. It was his last year in office. Yeah, it was 08 or 07 or something. Uh, and and that that did nothing, right? Too mm -hmm. close, too mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, you got to have distance. And then do it, but you also got to pick and make sure that you're picking the right thing. Because you know what I watched on the plane back from England? Mm. Truth. Truth. 
Do you remember Truth? No. Why is that not ringing a bell? Truth starts Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford and is about the story of uh the story of Oh, the, the 60 report. minutes thing. Yeah, the 60 minutes report that was almost immediately discredited. Right. right. Uh because it like it, it there was very credible evidence that it was typed on uh, Microsoft Word. <laughs> uh, and that makes, it makes the point mm -hmm. they were right and and these were, although it has all these red herrings, that these were actually uh, correct and is just kind of a laughable movie. Like it's, but I, I think it's because it doesn't pick the right political heroes. Right. So you got Kate Blanchett, Robert Redford, Topher Grace, Dennis Quaid, Elizabeth Moss, Bruce Greenwood, Stacey Keach. This is a big cast, dude. Oh, hell of a cast. But this was Oscar bait. This yeah. was absolutely like, and now here, let's let's get a big tearful moment where Dan Rather stands up in the in the audience. Yeah. And we have Robert Redford, one of the most venerable actor, like I'm an American Hollywood actor guy. Yeah. Like a person play this venerable old lion. Uh, but it just never makes that case correctly. And I don't think that anybody really was excited to like stand up and write their 9,000 word, like why truth is an important movie to watch medium post, you know? <laughs> All right. Good point. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Who's this? Hey guys, it's Gabe. Hey Gabe. What's going on, man? <laughs> what's up? The buddies. Um, so I just watched a movie that might uh, get an Oscar nom, but uh, it's a foreign film, so it can either fall under Best Picture or Best Foreign Film. Yeah. It's uh, The Handmaiden oh. by uh, Park Chan, mm -hmm. the guy who uh, made Old Boy. That's right. I heard about this. Um, do you, after seeing it, do you think foreign foreign film probably? I'll bet you it's foreign film no matter what. But how? What do you think its chances are? Because that can be dual nominated, by the way. If you get there are foreign films that get nominated as a foreign film, foreign language film. And also end up with a nomination for Best Picture. Yeah, overall. but a lot of people, a lot of people wind up thinking like, "Oh no, this is your reward. I'm going to make sure that another movie that I really liked gets it." So it really has to be gigantic to to ring up in both categories. But with ten nominations, anything's possible. Do you think it makes the cut, Gabe? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. I think it definitely gets the uh, maybe foreign and maybe a Best Director. Probably, but uh, there's going to be like hell films at the end of the year that might just creep up and be able to take uh, one of those ten spots. But definitely go watch it; it's worth the watch, and you know it's probably going to win best foreign picture. And it's very, very beautifully shot. Is it also just creepy weird? Because the 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 poster makes me think that there's going to be like weird blood sex scenes or something. Like, what's going on in this uh, thing? What do you get? There? Yeah, like, for, like it looks all normal for the first ten minutes, and then boom, that's when the the twist happens, so, you know. All right. You know, you know, that I, long. I'm in, dude. I'm in. I'll, I'll see your weird movie and raise you another weird movie. Uh, well, well done. Talk to you later. All right, let's get another call in here. Hi, who's this? Yes, hello. This is Hi, Nick. Hey, how's How it going, man? Doing? Good, Hi, good. Hey. Doing good. Hey, man. You know what my favorite uh, 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 Oscar bait thing is? Is to have a nationality in the title. Mm. Oh, give me an like example. The, give me a name. Like the, like the English patient or the or, or the French connection, that sort of thing. <laughs> I like that too. But is it so? So Justin, does that qualify as Oscar bait to you? Well, I mean, you would 
we have to start tracing back where like straight out Oscar bait kind of begins. Right. And and my guess is that it does begin in the mid to late 90s mm-hmm. when independent cinema kind of really blew up and you just had a lot more movies kind of ringing up like uh you know a lot more movies that were out and and uh you could then tailor them a little bit and also that was at the point where you had Harvey Weinstein from Miramax which released The English Patient that was one of its big movies uh try to very like his business model was let's make let's buy a bunch of these movies with buzz at film festivals mm-hmm. right we'll tailor them and tinker with them so we can release them on the big stage and then uh we'll try to target a few of them to get award buzz and that's how we'll get our marketing budget because we don't have enough money to just put a you know a, a poster up in every you know window right mm-hmm. so we'll get our buzz organically by gunning for these uh, gunning for the Oscar things, of course, that culminated with the famous uh, Shakespeare in Love win over Saving Private Ryan, mm. because he got that successfully uh, marketed uh, enough toward people who were voting for the Oscars that it overtook the the prese- the, the presumptive uh, winner, which is like Spielberg, which is like a huge, huge, huge upset. Yeah, that so was a big I would mess. Say yeah, that, yeah that, that that kind of probably came out of that late 90s uh you know sort of uh, aesthetic i agree hi you're on the air who's this uh, this is mastodon hello mastodon i'm good i'm, I'm always uh, happy to hear from an old extinct large mammal how's it going <laughs> uh well so i was gonna say uh actually two movies with one star maybe a star's rising uh andrew garfield is in uh, Silence, the Scorsese, and Hacksaw Ridge. He might be. Uh, I might be some Oscar bait. Those two movies. Yeah, I was gonna say he may be having a year. Like Hacksaw Ridge, pretty universally well reviewed. Uh, also marks the return of uh, Mel Gibson to the director's chair. Are, are uh, is Hollywood ready? Has has the <laughs> has the healing uh, uh, been complete enough for Hollywood to say, "Yep, old sugar tits Gibson gets an award." <laughs> Probably not, but my thinking about the movie might be like it seems to be defying people's um, bias for or against Mel Gibson and, and doing and being pretty impressive in its own in its own way. Um, it's an interesting story based on a real story. I've seen a documentary about this guy. It's super fascinating that this dude who held these very specific uh, beliefs uh, about going to war and not to harm anyone to basically do no harm. Yeah. And he went so, in this war and saved uh, people. And you know, yeah, here's, here's the plot. That's uh, the Oscar Beatty as hell, but yeah. Of U S army medic Desmond T. Doss, a seventh day Adventist conscientious objector who refused to bear arms yet was awarded the medal of honor by Harry S. Truman for single-handedly saving the lives of over 75 of his comrades while under constant enemy fire during the battle of Okinawa in world war two. Yep. Uh, which the idea is that he is kind of fighting two wars, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is not only on the front lines trying to save his uh, comrades, but also he's getting the living crap kicked out of him uh, by all of his other fellow soldiers who find it offensive that he will not pick up a gun like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, which is interesting because if you're, I don't know if you if you want to read into Mel Gibson's own motivations or the way he thinks. 
Um, he has been fairly on the record as being a very pro-gun kind of guy, and this is a story he's telling apparently very accurately. From what I've heard, again, I haven't seen it, so I, I don't know, but he's telling a story very much sympathetic to the position of somebody who is a conscientious objector in a wartime, and I'm very, very interested, fascinated by it. I'll bet you money this is one of the ten. Now, whether it wins or not, I don't know. The Gibson shadow is a long one. I yeah, got I think, it. I think the Gibson thing is a problem. I think I think this might be the little dance, the dance around the Gibson forgiveness yeah. is if Garfield the nomination and and nothing around Gibson gets it. So it doesn't get best picture yeah. and he doesn't get best director. I don't know. Did he write it? No, <laughs> maybe 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 the writers get it. Basically, everything that Mel Gibson doesn't directly have to appear on the statue for. Right gets recognized and and then they say all right next time maybe we'll give you we'll give you the uh, the 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 thing now, there's another piece of oscar bait we haven't mentioned and he goes by the name of clint eastwood um that's his name he's literally ha he has bait named after him yeah um he has an entry this year that will probably be nominated and he'll probably get uh best director that film being hold on i already oh, forgot the I, name oh so sully yeah so that's that thing's Oscar bait, and it also has another piece of bait in it that we also named Tom Hanks. His name is is literally Oscar bait, usually. So now here's the question, because now uh, it used to be it used to be in the <laughs> in the early aughts, yeah, uh, that it was play a famous person that had that sang songs, right? Right. Now it seems like the Oscar bait is play a famous news story that we had seen a couple years ago. Right. And maybe have it be a little apolitical. Mm -hmm. So Sully, Deepwater Horizon. Uh, I think there was another one that came out that was another like. I saw that, by the way. I liked it. Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. That was yeah. Good. I mean, I, I feel like that's, you know, what I think the problem with that movie is, mm. is that when I hear Deepwater Horizon, all I ever think of is everything that happened afterwards. Yeah, the actual events of it. In fact, what's funny is I think the movie, maybe rightly so, wanted to show us what happened because nobody knows. Like we didn't. I didn't know a bunch of people died. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't pay enough attention to that news. I didn't yeah. know it was a giant inferno. Like, I, I thought it was going to be like a '70s conspiracy thing, mm -hmm. where it's like a bunch of sweaty people running around in a room, and then George Clooney says like, <laughs> "You can't cover this up, no matter how much you want to." You know, it's like something like that. Yeah, uh, it's not that. But, uh, it's a it's I mean very much in the uh, Peter Berg I think directed it but Peter Berg's great and he's got back-to-back -back Marky Mark disaster movies he directed this and then later this year we literally get the Boston Marathon bombing movie with Marky Mark again as one of the street cops or somebody that's there to help uh, is that coming out this year too or this is that year I think it's this year I think it's sometime before Christmas. I'm not now. I'm not 100 percent now that I say so it. Now I'll tell you what I mean, is, is he splitting his chances though to go? <laughs> I don't know two. Like recent, do we have to choose which disaster we liked better? This one's called Patriots Day. Yeah, it's due out this year. It's in post production. I've seen trailers, and it is due uh, before Christmas. It doesn't. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. In theaters, January 13th. So it's it will miss the window for this year. So, all right. Yeah. So it's interesting that he did that, though. We'll get to which goes which disaster they liked best. Yeah, exactly. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Open Bayou. Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, oh, this is going. Oh, this is great. Hey. Uh, one thing about Deep Water Horizon yeah. is that, well, well, one of the things is I lived it. Were uh, you there? You were there? Well, 
well, afterwards in New Orleans, the whole city smelled like um, kerosene. Oh yeah, I was gonna say there was the Gulf got pretty jacked up for well, not maybe not even just months, but maybe years. Probably problems. Oh uh, st- yeah, still? It's still and it's still it's still messed up. One of the things real quick about Deepwater Horizon film was uh, did they mention? I haven't seen the movie, but did they mention that uh, one of the news stations reported that everyone survived? Oh no, I don't. They didn't show that. Yeah. Well, they didn't yeah, see. That's that the thing was... about the movie is they don't show anything. You know how these movies do, right? Usually, it's um, the stuff on the ground, wherever the ground may be. In this case, it's out in the ocean, but it's this. You know, the the, the, the actions happening on the platform, and then the only time they would cut away is to see how Kate Hudson is dealing with her husband not answering him back on Skype occasionally or whatever. Like there, there's no. We don't get to see the larger public outcry, the freak out, until they get off of that thing and the survivors are brought back to uh, to land. And then you start to maybe get bits and pieces, but they never focus on that. They no, don't focus okay. on the politics. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a survival movie, right? It's, yeah. It's, they got to get off the thing. It's basically like a 70s disaster movie, like a towering inferno or something. It's like literally that. towering inferno, except based on something real. And then the thing I liked about it is it doesn't get bogged down in... This maybe works against it, actually, for why it didn't do well in theaters. Um, but I liked it. Um, but it doesn't get bogged down in a bunch of fake side stories or a bunch of emotional stuff that did or didn't happen uh, that feels a little artificial in Hollywood and, and and music and all of that. It is just straight up, here are a bunch of people doing their jobs. Here are some people skipping some steps they shouldn't have. Here are some other people being mad about that. Here are the politics of working in a place like that. And here are the class structures of... You know, really hardworking, greasy men from the lowest of uh, of uh, dirty society on shore that just come out and do this for whatever money they can get, all the way up to BP executives living in the nicer part of the platform. Like, you get all of that stuff without any fluff, without any anything. It's just, it's like a documentary crew in a lot of ways. And then when shit starts to go bad, then it's like Towering Inferno in that we got to get out of here. We've got to save people. Nobody ever wants is just, you're, you're never you're never supposed to just sit there and think about, oh, the ramifications the the BP's role in this, you're just thinking John Malkovich made kind of bad decision and these other guys are pretty heroic for what they did and that one guy shouldn't have died. Man, it was too bad because he seemed like a nice guy with family. And they punctuate at the end with actual court, or uh, sorry, court uh, uh, discussion or testimony exactly from the real people. They have photos of people who died and big dedicatory thing and it all becomes very real then. But but it's not like peppered with a bunch of drama. And I like that about it, but I'm not sure that that is enough maybe maybe the academy doesn't want that maybe they want more of the stupid drama well no i mean i think the you know you got to be careful again with the politics because if you're talking about awards you're talking about going to people that have a political opinion right and and it's hard to directly challenge it and also have them be excited about the movie uh so if it's not going to be Peter Berg's a conservative guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really made you know many bones about that. He tends to focus on kind of red meat sort of uh, stories. I think it's why he meshes well with Mark Wahlberg and Lone Survivor certainly was that. Uh, but it's like you got to focus on just the one human element. You can't rely on some of the schmaltz that movies that are political that are liberal can kind of get away with because, you know, the majority of the people who are voting agree with it. So it's like, it's just a, a, a consideration, which is why something like Crash, which was kind of, uh, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, description of Crash winning the Best Picture Award was that 
Uh, it'll be the most exciting night for Hollywood and New York liberals to high five their maids about. Um, <laughs> nice. But it's like that's a movie that is not held up as much, but is something that is an exploration of racial discussion that is uh, palatable to coastal audiences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I guess this one tries to be pretty neutral in a, in a lot of weird ways. It was more just about, and again, this is very Peter Berg. It's about like, like Friday night lights was all about this. It's about yeah regular people doing relatively heroic things without anyone noticing really. And so that's what they focus on. It's never about, Oh, the laws in this nation have led to one of the greatest. It wasn't like that. It yeah. Was, and yeah. so I, I'm not saying that that's, Good or bad, I'm saying that that may not lead a very liberal Hollywood to a place where they're going to welcome it as a nominee in their top ten picks. For well, best I mean, picture. but like, so the, the if this were about the the cover up or or the 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 effort to stop the oil from spilling into stuff, and and you know, like you would have had a hero say, but oil has something that is. I've been the backbone of our American democracy and free trade relies on it. Then mm -hmm. that would have been not something that would have been exciting for, I think for a lot of liberal Oscar voters, right. Yeah, Who I are, I totally are, agree. are not, uh, you know, uh, of that persuasion. Plus these, plus his two movies, these back to backers, they're getting really close to that rip from today's headline kind of timing. Um, yeah. I don't know if I, well, I mean, I, I don't know what the standard is, but I remember seeing that Nicholas Cage, nine 11 movie, like two years after 9-11 or something. It was another Oliver Stone movie. And yeah. I remember thinking, this is pretty good. Oh, United 93 made me feel this way as well. I was just like, that's just too close, man. Like, this isn't historic enough for us to look at it with the right eye yet. And and I don't even know what I mean by that. And I don't have good standards to tell anyone to use, but I just felt weird about it. And these made, both of these, especially the Boston bombing one, makes me feel even weirder. Because it just kind of just happened. I mean, I know it's been years, but... It's like what 2012? It's not that long well, ago. Guys, the question is with the movies is like, are are they there to illuminate us or are they there to memorialize it? I don't know. Or are they just there to? Are they there to do neither oh, and they oh, end up just exploiting to go it? Go to the theater, you know, right. and and in a in a in a world where <laughs> everything has to be a previous franchise and everything has to be a movie that came out before and everything has to be a comic book. Like these are kind of the like true story equivalents of like famous things that you saw a few years ago. Now come Sam and the movies. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I guess this happened in the 50s. World War Two wasn't that far flung. And you'd get John Wayne doing a ridiculously over the top heroic portrayal of. Well, for whatever reason, with war movies, we kind of don't care as much because like Hurt Locker can come out when the Iraq war is still going on. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Here's a story mm -hmm. of this conflict. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's like a good war, example. War has a weird exception. Like we kind of we're in the mood for war movies when war is happening in a way that we're not in the mood for 9-11 movies a year after 9-11 happens. Yeah, it's it's an odd psychology. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, guys, it's Ian again. Just oh, hey, man. The, uh, yeah, just, just just for just two seconds. Uh, Patriot's Day limited release on December 21st. Oh, uh, so. OK, so yeah, that so, so technically that's under the wire then they could get in. Through. It is. Yeah, and in, in general, go to Wikipedia to look up release dates because IMDb sucks at putting limited releases on, and that's usually how these Oscar bait movies work is they come out at the last possible second in December, so they're fresh in the minds of critics. Yeah, that and, makes sense. Uh, and then they come out like in January in, in, in full release. Oh, okay, that's good to know, actually. I hadn't really thought of that. So, so that one is in contention. So he literally is double stacking. 
He's doubling up on his chances for with Peter Berg, no less. Yeah, <laughs> like they're both doing it. Yeah, Peter Berg, uh, uh, freaking Marky Mark in both movies. But I'll say this: I felt like Marky Mark did a really great job in Deepwater Horizon, but I always got the feeling the whole time that he was looking for a little Oscar tickle there. Just kind of felt uh, it. So just what is what is your what? All right, what's your telltale? What is happening in the movie with Marky Mark that you know he's trying to do an Oscar tickle? Um. Well, how do I put this? <laughs> when he's the main guy, that's number one. Okay, yeah. and he's your main. He's your thing here. He's your. He's I he's mean, our eyes. We need to just go back and forth with actors, and <laughs> like, they don't have to be real lines, but just the lines that they say when you know they're trying for an Oscar. <laughs> Um, all right, here's a scene. I'll give you a scene. There's a scene where he and a survivor are trying to get off this this platform, and yeah. she's refusing to jump because there's no other way out. You're going to burn or you're going to jump. And if you jump, you may still burn, and if you jump, you may die, but it's still better than for sure burning. That's kind of the setup. And she refuses to do it. She's complete panic, and she won't do it. So he says, fine, um, I'll just go. And he turns around and gets ready to jump and then turns back around and says to her, what year is your car again? Because they used to have this car conversation. Yeah. She goes, what? She goes, what year is your car? And she goes, it's a something, something firebird. And he grabs her by the chest and throws her over the edge and saves her. That yeah. moment said, yo, I'm looking for an Oscar dog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like the, the, the Billy Bob Thornton line is like, uh, like you're all getting out of here. I swear. <laughs> like, that's like, that's the, that's the, that's the Mark Wahlberg. I'm trying to win an Oscar. Yeah. It's like the George Clooney trying to win an Oscar is like, like you can't cover this up. I'm George Clooney. Yeah, George Clooney is. And by the way, uh, suspiciously not in any sort of running this year for anything. I I don't know of any George Clooneyness that's on that we could put on any of these lists. Nor do I think there was anything last year. I feel like George Clooney is just like I think he's you know, out. Is he done? Woke up at some point in late July in his Italian villa. You know. Uh, and he's like, ah, crap, I, I can't do an Oscar movie this year. Oh, well, more vino. <laughs> like a, a fun little uh, a gesture and, and just got more wine. So here is the list, according to IndieWire.com, of who they believe are front runners, contenders, and long shots. Okay? No, no, no. I Am Sci-Fi says uh, he was in Money Monster. Money Monster would... Uh, oh, yeah. That's true. That be, uh, and and uh, fa famous lady director, right? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. That's correct. Um, all right, so here's your front runners. I shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if George Clooney gets a gets a little sneaky, uh, and everybody everybody will be upset about it. Yeah. All right, here's your front runners according to again according to IndieWire.com. 20th century women. Don't know what that is. Uh, Arrival. Oh, that's your. Um, is that that's the thing with uh, Chris Pratt and what's her name up in space? Oh, no, 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 no. That those, those are the passengers. Oh, Arrival. passengers. Is starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker. Right, and there's, but it's still some alien deal, right? Think, yeah. There's just like some big egg or something, and they're like, "Is there aliens in that egg?" And then <laughs> Amy Adams is like, "I don't know. Remember when I was in the bathtub with Superman? That was an embarrassing. Fully clothed, yeah. That was a good time. Uh, you should watch my video I just put up on YouTube because the way you just described that is the way I described back to the future and you should watch it. Oh yeah. I saw it. I didn't have a chance to see it yet. Yeah. It's pretty good. You'll like it. Um, anyway, La La Land. Don't know what that is. Uh, loving. Don't know what that is. Manchester by the sea. That oh, is a uh, Amazon produced film. Oh, La La Land is, uh, this actually, I think just won the Toronto film festival. Uh, that is Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, 
in a jazz pianist feels for an aspiring actress in Los Angeles. Oh my God, another Oscar bait thing. Yep. Get your movie in Los Angeles and make it about Hollywood. Yep. You're trying to make your way and it's, man, the the trouble you have trying to get there and the drugs and the problems and the relationships. That's total Oscar bait. But also if we were deciding things and, and... All right, go ahead. We had a glitch. Go ahead. What were you saying? We were deciding what won all the awards and all the movies were like, about struggling podcasters who like were underappreciated and finally got their due, we'd be like, yay, you win the best picture. Yes. Oh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling plays a guy who's like, man, uh, mid-roll doesn't want to give me the same rates as Mark Marin. Like, it ends with like them being like, you know, the biggest media heroes in the world. We'd be like, Ryan Gosling's the best actor ever. Yeah, we would actually probably. <laughs> Uh, I get it. Like, that's a big thing in Hollywood. If it's about them and their medium, they get excited about it. And when it's people like these two fine actors. That's the point, is they get to choose. So La La Land, directed by the same dude who did Whiplash, uh, and also wrote 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, very nice. Um, Back when it was still called Valencia. Very, uh, very popular, this film. It's got great reviews across the board, and seems like maybe that one is a a must-see, or must be on the list. There's also Loving, Manchester by the Sea, A Monster Calls. Uh, that's the second focus feature that uh, supposedly is in here. Moonlight and Sully. So Sully's the only one I recognize on that top list, except for what you've explained to me, which is real weird. I'm used to seeing more stuff that I know. They say the contenders are Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. That's the army soldier, real story dude, Iraq veteran come home, uh, Super Bowl, trounced him out, and he had to deal with PTSD and... Uh, making out with uh, what's the Twilight Lady? That, yeah, that's that movie. And then Fences. Don't know what that is. Hell or High Water. Please let that win or get in there because I think that movie looks real good. I haven't seen it yet, but it's like it's basically a modern day uh, Western heist movie, and I want to see it. Uh, Jungle Book is a lot of people think Jungle Book is actually way up there and things that may win. Uh, Lion Rules Don't Apply and Silence. All of our streams are dead. Oh, that's great, isn't it? When that happens, are they really? That's what everybody's saying. Well, let's have a look-see here and pause the audio again. All right, we're back. I have no idea what we were saying. We had a crash. We had a thing, but we're back. Uh, what do we do now? <laughs> I think... Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I was saying Jungle Book got... Uh, people think Jungle Book's going to win. That's all. What do you, th- what do you think about a Disney um, heavily CGI'd uh, remake of a classic children's tale will do come Oscar time? And where is the bait there? Well, I think... Uh, every once in a, it's more likely in an era where we do ten than four, yeah, right? Yeah, that that Jungle Book gets, you know, because that like the, the the thing is is I think Oscar voters like to highlight, but beyond their own little uh little peccadillos that people can play to, in general, Oscar voters like to show off the best, especially now in a very changing era of what cinema is. Uh, they want to show off the things that you can only see in the theater, right? Mm-hmm. The stars that only show up in a cinema. And I think Jungle Book is that, like, it would be insane for HBO to do a movie or a series like Jungle Book, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's something only Disney can do. Right. Uh, so I think, yes, it'll probably get, that'll get a nominee for Best Picture and then maybe a... Like that, maybe they'll do you know a, a song for bare necessities or something like that, and mm-hmm. 
it'll be a fun thing they'll do during the ceremony. I think they'll get Bill Murray out to help with it since he did the bear voice. Yeah, he'll just be slapping his, he'll be playing a you know, banjo or something weird and like, you know, just being Bill Murray and everyone will jump up and down and scream, it's Bill Murray and, you know. Yeah. Back yeah. here's, all right, here's Bill Murray's Oscar line. Okay, go. Bill Murray's winning an Oscar line is just like, I I just, I just, I don't know. <laughs> That's Bill Murray. Do you know Bill Murray's in it for an Oscar if he's like, he does not know what's going on and he has to have somebody who's 30 years younger and prettier explain it to him. Do you think there'll be multiple Murray brothers in the audience like Brian Doyle Murray and all those guys watching? Or do you think that this, uh, do you think those guys don't really roll in the same crowd? I don't anymore? know. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it off the back nine and <laughs> the, uh, get to the award ceremony. Good point. Um, Birth of the Nation, they say, is a long shot on this list, which is interesting. So that's the big, the big controversy about, about uh, that is, uh, you know, you have, in a in a world in a world in a world, uh, Selma, very well regarded, mm -hmm. ten years a slave, very well regarded, mm -hmm. wins the Oscar. Mm -hmm. the The next step, right? Because also we've got you know Fruitvale Station and stuff like that that does very well. Movies about the black experience, either historically or contemporarily, that show violence. Could you go that extra? that extra mile and have a movie, especially apparently a well-made movie about Nat Turner's rebellion. Spoiler alert. Uh, not a lot of white people make it out. <laughs> <laughs> also it supposedly very heavily influenced by Braveheart. Like literally the filmmaker has credited the entire thing to his love of Braveheart growing up yeah. and so uh, says it's very, everyone I've heard from says it's extremely Bravehearty. In that yeah. it's uh, just a lot of a lot of blood and revenge. Yeah. So I mean, listen. Uh, uh, go ahead and Wikipedia Nat Turner's Rebellion if you want to skip to the end on on how this thing you know ends up. But mm -hmm. it's uh, the problem is I think it's either the the director or the lead actor. Or if they're the same person, it's the same person. It is. Yeah. Uh, that apparently has a fairly troubling uh, rape. Mm. Charge in his past. Yeah, something came up from '99. That might uh, that might uh, uh, stop that. Also, it already came out and it didn't exactly set the world on fire. Um, so who knows? That was one of those movies that was that had a lot of festival buzz, though. Yeah. What? What is? Why is this? Okay, here's a question for you that I don't know if we can answer, but why is it that a movie will open at Sundance or somewhere and blow everybody's minds, getting you know? Uh, Critics picks across the country, uh, million, you know, everybody who goes to Sundance walked out going, oh my gosh, Birth of the Nation, that's the one. And then movies like it and it come out, they actually hit theaters and people are like, meh, it's all right. It's a little loud. It's a little this or it's a little that. There's not much to it. I don't understand the difference. Is it because that group is just like all in and they're in that theater and they had to pay huge money and have terrible parking to be there and they're like seeing oh, it first? I think, I think here's, here's the issue. And this is the issue not only with award stuff, but also with critics in general, is that those movies that get buzz get buzz because they are seen by people who see hundreds of movies yeah. in a year. Yeah. And when you see, I spent one year as a movie critic, and it was enough for me to learn this lesson. When you see a hundred movies in a year, you start to reward different kinds of movies. Mm. 
and you over reward movies that are doing things differently, although maybe at the risk of being more challenging. Mm. And so, in general, general audiences don't necessarily like to be challenged all that much. Right. Because movies are not these deep Dostoevsky tomes that need to be ruminated on <laughs> and explained and have them change your life suddenly from the inside in the way that somebody who's buying movies or reviewing movies all the time might be more interested in. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's just boy meets girl. You know, they run over a gypsy. Gypsy puts a curse on them, and then everybody goes home when they find the amulet, right? Like, it's <laughs> basic stuff. Like, bing, bang, boom, and then we're out, which is where something... The, you can be esoteric, like Birdman, right? Sure. But Birdman is such a visual feast that you can not really know what the hot hell's going on, except for like, yeah, Michael Keaton's mad and he's great because he's Michael Keaton. And then there's a drummer in the hallway for no reason. And and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's the, the camera looks like it's never stopped. Like, <laughs> that's fun to watch. Sure. It's fun to see. Yeah. But you can't have something that's, you know, too long and, and too meditative uh, or maybe is like this big sideways thing for no reason or has characters that are difficult that general audiences don't want to see or they find unlikable. It just I think that's where that disconnect tends to come in from. Feels like this is a year without a contender that fills the boots of Mad Max Fury Road from last year, one that was never intended to be Oscar bait, has nothing about it that is Oscar baity. None of the things we've talked about are really present there. Um, the the series has never received anything more than a lot of fanboyism over over the years. So anything it had the opposite. It right? did. It, it kind of did. It's repelling to a lot of people. Well, uh, because it was like it's. Uh, oh, are we really going to reward this? Like what Hollywood, despite the fact that it's paying everybody's salaries, this repugnant trend of <laughs> dredging up every old thing that happened yeah. and just slapping new actors in it. But yeah. Mad Max Fury Road was just so compelling and amazing that it was just hard to ignore also it's hard to look you know anybody else in the face that wants to do a visual movie and be like yeah you were nowhere close to as good as this like yeah. this was just you know this was standard setting for the next 15 years good so is that one that's i guess that's my question is that a one in every 10 years kind of experience where you're not going to be able to match that again yeah i think yeah. that movie that movie is just it's just so out there, right? It yeah. took forever. It had the opposite of buzz, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was just every story that you heard was that Charlize Theron and uh, what's his butt hated each other, and that you know both of them hated Miller for the majority of the shoot. Mm -hmm. It was just they had to stop production because they ran out of money, and then they had to continue production, and it looked like it was just going to be something that got pooped out at some point and nobody thought about it anymore but then it did kind of what happened so little i think in, in today's day and age and it kind of it caught fire in the way that an old like a movie would have caught fire back in the late 90s or the 80s or the 70s where it's just like word of mouth people just talk to each other about like hey you gotta go see this movie it's like really good it's like and the it, matrix or something you know yeah, so, yeah yeah i mean yeah the matrix was something where had a great trailer Right, came out in a very busy year and wound up being, against all odds, the sci fi movie everybody talked about in a year when Star Wars came back, mm -hmm. uh, which was, was kind of crazy. But even then, I don't know, was The Matrix nominated? Uh, I don't think so. I think it may have had some 
effects stuff or something. But I don't think yeah. there's no Yeah, way. normally it's like, you know, that that kind of stuff. Well, in the context of what we're talking about, it doesn't qualify so much because, I mean, it's actually kind of hard to think of movies that came out of nowhere. Like something like Spotlight has got the kind of actor credo and and stuff where you're like, okay, I got one. I got one. The ones that the, the one that came out last year that also sort of just leapfrogged that no one expected to come out of Adam McKay, uh, freaking Will Ferrell's co-writer on all his dumb movies like Talladega Nights. Well, director, director, yeah. True, but to have him come and direct something and have it be so interestingly directed to manage fourth wall breaking in a way that I thought was awesome. Like it's an incredible film from Adam McKay. So that qualifies for me and I'm not calling that that's not necessarily bait, but it is like one of those where you don't expect it. That's everybody in Hollywood, everybody in New York that has a ballot thinks that everybody who, uh, you know, worked at the banks during the housing crash should be in jail. Right. And I'm not saying that that's, a controversial or non-controversial opinion. It's just a popular one mm-hmm. in those areas. So if something can explain that in a way, I think regardless of the quality of the movie, there was an element to the big short where people felt like, no, this is good. Now we can educate all the dumbos in the other <laughs> states because we'll have a movie with Margot Robbie in a bathtub yeah. that explains why we're right about economics. <laughs> Do you hear the thing about her admission, by the way? I'm just this is a side note. So yeah. there was all this talk after Wolf of Wall Street that her nude scenes were a body double. She yeah. was the one saying that. She has since come out and said, I was just saying that because my parents were going to see it and I didn't want them to think I was naked in it. So those are her. That's her. That's her. In, in the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. In her full regaled. But by that point, I'd seen everything. <laughs> All right, uh, let's roll off of this and roll real quickly into a conversation I want to have just briefly because you're not caught up, nor are you even first the full episode, uh, first episode, because you have been gone. You've been out of the country and things have been a little nuts for you. But all anybody wants to talk to me about right now. (laughs) And Westworld's really good. Um, and you need to get through it to either agree agree with me or not. But the pilot, we can talk about. I've seen enough of the pilot. I have like ten minutes left in the pilot, and I know that there's some big thing that happens at the end of of the pilot, but. I'm I'm I've seen enough of it to get the the basics of the universe. We can talk about the pilot if you'd like to talk about. The we pilot. can briefly. So if people uh, fear spoilers about pilot talk here just for a few minutes. Maybe now's the time to check out before you do. Justin's got a quick thing to pimp. I've got a thing to pimp. What yeah. Do you all right. Pimp? So here's here's my pimpage. I'm, I'm not going to slip on my pimpage and I'm also going to refresh because this is a fluid situation. Folks. All right. All right. So if you have the contender, you play the contender, you like the contender. Well, guess what? We have done two. We will eventually do three mini expansions for each of the debates. Uh, These have been very popular. uh, So I would very much encourage anybody to get uh, uh, in it if you can. We we did one for the New York one, the first debate. That sold out within five days of us putting it up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are now a little bit over a week because we bought more for the second expansion. Uh, that we did about the St. Louis uh, debate. So that has all the because you'd be in jail quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have that, but literally only if you are the next five people to buy it. We literally have five more left. So if you are listening to this, especially live, do it now. Do not do it later. Do not think I should remember this when I'm at work. Go to to bit.ly slash second debate bit.ly slash second debate 
That's the only place you can get it. Buy it now because when it's gone, it's gone. We do our final one, our Nevada, our Las Vegas, our Sin City spectacular mini expansion this Wednesday. So make sure that you pay attention to our social media, specifically at Contender Game on the Twitter if you would like to see or suggest quotes as they come along. That's excellent. Um, I don't really have a ton to pimp except to say the Rally Point podcast from Bleacher Report is live on Mondays now. So tonight at 730 Pacific, we will kick that off and you will hear us talk about esports up the wazoo, as my dad used to say. So uh, check that out, frogpants.com slash live for details. Actually, the better place to go is to rallypoint.gg and get all the info there. All right, uh, Westworld. So yeah. <clears throat> it is, um, oh man, I don't even know where to start. So I, I, I guess I want, let's get your impressions. I know you haven't seen the entirety of the first episode, but um, you've seen enough to, to at least discuss it. I mean, are, are, are you walking away from that going, oh, okay, I, I think I'm in on this. Like, where, where's your head? Because I couldn't be happier. It's like they just personally manufactured this and, and put it in a gift box and handed it to me on, on bended knee. That's how much I like it. I'm way in. It's actually really, really funny because I've spent a lot of time recently thinking about those kinds of stories. Uh, specifically, there's this great immersive theater experience that they have in San Francisco now called Speakeasy. I would very much I would highly encourage, especially if you are a young single man taking somebody on a date. Like, not don't do the first two or three, but you know, you want to really do the impressive thing mm -hmm. on four or five. Mm -hmm. Take them to speakeasy. It's a little pricey, not going to lie, mm. but uh, it is a big 1920s. Uh, uh, you are in a speakeasy, and, and there's all these different immersive theater things. Now, obviously, nobody is banging each other or murdering each other like they are in, in Westworld, but I, I very much find that conceit interesting. Yeah. Um, here's the only thing I'm worried about, and I hope that I get more of it in the last 10 minutes of the pilot and in the next uh, second and third episode yeah, is we've set up an amazing playpen. Mm -hmm. What I'm waiting for is an inciting incident to bring us to a, a, a plot, right? Like Westeros is amazing. Yeah. We need this battle, this battle of succession and for the throne to kind of hang our story on, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that's what makes our characters travel to different lands. That's what makes everybody break and forge new alliances. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for, for that inciting incident uh, uh, by the end of this episode, the last 10 minutes, rather, or in the subsequent ones to kind of get us on the road. And the only thing I worry about mm. is I always find it very annoying when we have an amazing albeit morally dubious or illegal thing. Yeah. And we are rooting for characters to shut down the illegal thing. This was my problem with Dollhouse. Mm. We set up all this situation, and then we're supposed to root for the guy that wants to shut down the only thing that makes this a TV show, which <laughs> makes us immediately want to root against that guy mm -hmm. because, you know, like, uh, uh, like, no, don't. No, I want the dollhouse where they're sending out these people. And one day she's a whore and one day she's an FBI agent. And one day there's this, that and the other. Right. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with Westworld. I want Westworld, the, the company to continue to go on. Now, 
whether or not we have sentient robots and they're forging alliances and they are hiding their sentience or whatever, uh, whatever the inciting incident is, or they're going to corporate is going to shut it down or there's somebody loose in there. Like, I mean, I think we've already started to get stuff with the, uh, with, with the, you know, the man in black who, uh, yeah. You know, more. yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm excited to tell you that I believe that you will have all the things you just asked for, and then in not only the last ten minutes you'll have something good, more there, but you'll have a whole lot more in two, and even more in three. Like you're not, they're not doing the whole. As much as I love Mr. Robot, they're not going up their own butts on this. They're they're going well, somewhere. This, this is a different kind of thing. I think right. if anything, uh, Mr. Robot is a show that can suffer from its own its own daringness yeah like in in an effort to be so daring and so uh you know un you've never seen anything like this before it can disappear in its own flourish mm -hmm. where westworld i think is if anything has the problem uh or its its biggest pitfall would be to uh, you know, uh, basically be too conservative. Mm -hmm. to say, hey, look, we've got amazing actors. We've got this insane set. We've got this crazy. We have the budget in season one that Game of Thrones didn't have until season four. Yeah, right. So everything. I'll tell you what. I almost feel like the the one thing that I have noticed is that you know, it, it, like, man, they got use out of that helicopter, huh? <laughs> everything's a helicopter shot, like. Yeah, there's a lot, especially in that first episode. Um, not so much in the other ones, but I think you're in for a treat. I mean, I don't know for sure. You and I usually agree on a lot of stuff. I think you may get there. Maybe you'll get there and, and disagree with me. me that the main plot isn't about someone trying to shut down Westworld. It's not. Okay. It's not at all. Um, at least far as I can tell. We're only three episodes in, so maybe oh, there's... Fine. If it hasn't showed up in the first three episodes, then then I'm, I'm fine with it. And, they're, it. and they're veering in directions where I'm starting to go, okay, I really like that. Like, I know I like where I like where a lot of this stuff is headed, this last episode, asking some seriously interesting questions. Um, you know, your questions about sens sentience and whether or not these robots are going to form alliances and all. Those things are valid questions, and they're things that we don't exactly know yet. And there's a, still a whole lot of mystery going on, including that of the man in black. One of my major theories was dashed against the rocks yesterday. So now I don't know how this, these the whole Ed Harris thing works. I thought I had it figured out. I was totally sure. And yeah. then yesterday they, they threw a wrench so big in that that I went, oh, well, that can't be what I thought it was. So I don't feel like anything's predictable yet. Um, none of it feels so nebulous. You don't know what the hell's going on at, at any given moment. Um, Mr. Robot's really good at that, and it should keep doing that but I don't necessarily want that in another show, and the show's not doing that to me. Oh, no, no, but I think these are different. I mean, these are very, very different shows. Oh, for sure. And it's asking, what I like about it is it's asking some some big, broad, uh, moral questions, uh, ethical questions, and, um, and, and they're doing, they're bridging the gap between this somewhere in the future world where this park is being run and this very authentic fake world they've created. And, and they... They've done it in a way where they plant a seed in your head where you're like, well, I know that when we're in this fake world that everything's fake. Yet somehow it still feels like stakes are really high. And when there's a shootout, people are dying and it like it's all. Um, and I know it's on purpose. Like I'm feeling them wanting me to feel like, well, where does reality begin and where does it where does it end? Where does intelligence begin and where does it end? Like they're yeah. really good questions and they're handling it really, really well. In some ways, it's got like a kind of a Star Trek 
kind of um, outlook like that? Like it's wanting to ask these larger questions and then skin them in, in, in a way that is entertaining and fun and, and whatever. But uh, it should also be mentioned. The music is super good. And the opening theme is the same, uh, is the Game of Thrones guy. Um, that's really, really good. In fact, I didn't even really notice that, it. The first that, was, that was Black Hole Sun. They were playing on the, on the player. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. B- right. A bunch of stuff like that too. Like, Black Hole Sun gets in there. There's some, uh, not Weezer. Um, oh, Frick. Who does? I'm a creep. I can't think of his name. Their name. Radiohead. 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 There's a Radiohead song coming out, I think, at one point. I don't think you're there yet. I think that's episode two. Anyway, they when that first came on, I went, how do I know this? How do I know this? Like, it was so discordant. It sounded nothing like the real Black Hole Sun, yet I know that song front and back. Yeah. And it, my brain wouldn't let me attach the two. Brilliant. Totally brilliant. There's lots of moments like that where there's like a weird cognitive dissonance happening with characters, with scenes, with overlap, real world and not real world. There's a scene around. I'll tell you this. This isn't really a spoiler, but in the third one, there's a scene with a bunch of cowboys around a fire and they're in what they're 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 basically broken. They're in a loop and they can't get out of the loop because the guy that's authorized to use an axe to get firewood is gone. He's basically astray, and they got to go figure out what happened to him. But because he's gone, all they can do is run through their scripts and keep bumping into each other, and nobody can get wood because only this guy can use an axe. He had to be certified, to, and he's a robot as well. Yeah. And you forget while they're having this conversation that these aren't people. Yeah. And they're also nebulous about, well, who are the guests sometimes? Sometimes it's obvious. He's this you know guy who's normally an accountant, and he's a total pasty white idiot. But then suddenly over here this lady's a total kick-ass and you're like, wait a minute, who? And then it turns out, oh, she's a guest too, but you weren't sure. Like, there's a lot of that going on. It's Yeah, I mean, I guess here's my only note is that for a show that is about people enjoying a fantasy in the Old West, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really seem to enjoy the Old West much. Like, you know, you watch Deadwood and there are characters enjoying themselves without abandoned right Right. like there's people having sex with hookers and being very happy about it right (laughs) uh by not having any element or at least not stylistically having any like we don't get to meet these people without seeing you know that that opening monologue of introducing the the blonde character and the designer and everything yeah it starts off with us being very 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 like drilled into our heads you are playthings for rich people, like, and now we are judging the rich people on some level for doing what they are doing, whether yeah. or not it is depraved or mm-hmm. or just innocent. There's right? a bit of that, but that Jeffrey, what's his name, the actor, black guy, can't think of his name, Jeffrey something. Anyway, uh, can't think of it. Anyway, that guy, he's great in this. That monologue is going to mean more things. Third episode for you. Oh no, no, no! I guess my point is that it's not that it can be interesting mm-hmm. or it can't be interesting. It's just that it's a little dire right like like from 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 the get there is like now if i see some guest who is a quipping funny guy you know banging two hookers at a time and then like shooting a bandit you know through the window which is like that rad old west kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. now i'll think like oh like these people are these robots kind of feel but they don't and everything and it's like now it's it's not like the, the the show, and I think consciously, because it's not that kind of show. No, I think like, that's on purpose. Everything you've described, I think, is no, meant no, to be. I guess I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not on purpose. Right. I'm just saying that, like, you know, 
you don't really get a whole lot of, you know, <laughs> like, I feel like. Well, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a guy, like you said, in that room with two hookers shooting a bandit out the window. And you are either going to go, oh, that's a guest. And he's just uh, kind of a douche because society's to a point now where this is the only place they can get any thrills anymore. And so you kind of don't like that guy automatically because you know it's all fake. Or if you're seeing the robots just do their script and that's in their script and he's just shooting a bandit. And there's a lot of that in the thing. And he's enjoying the hell out of himself. Your thought is, well, he's programmed to do this. This isn't this isn't him really enjoying anything. This is his guess, predisposition. None of those conversations are hooray, hookers and bandit shooting, <laughs> right? Like like it, it is this more uh of intellectually exercising yes. kind of show. Yes. And and uh I, I am excited to enjoy it for that. I will say though that I was kind of hoping that maybe we could get to that after we got like because this is what's great about Game of Thrones, right? Is that Game of Thrones Yes, there are these weighty conversations about power and religion and uh, uh, all this stuff, but it lets us enjoy the hooker banging and the and the throat slicing, right? <laughs> like that, it, it gives us these moments of yeah, no, this is bodice ripping, uh, a sword and brawn fantasy, right? And it's not a simulation, and there aren't people pulling strings. I mean, the, they're not literally pulling strings like they would be in Westworld. I totally get where you're coming from. Well, yeah, I, I just, and I don't even really mean that this, I, I kind of divorced this from story even a little bit. This is about presentation. Because mm -hmm. Game of Thrones could let us, you know, they could just make all the, they could just make a point to uh, right before somebody has sex with a whore to say like, yep, she just turned 12 and now we'll feel bad about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or they could uh, they could make sure that every time that a bandit got his throat slit, there was a, a three year old that came around the tree and said, "Daddy." Yeah, you're right. About it, right. You're right. And that would be that would be consistent with their world. They haven't set up a world that's absent that, yeah. right? And every once in a while that happens. It's just not from the beginning. We don't like Westworld has set up a universe where it's like everybody that is here is a slave on some level, and we are supposed to recognize their humanity and react accordingly. And that's fine because it wants to be that kind yeah. of show. Yeah. It's just, there, there's a part of me that's like, ah, well, you know, I, I, I also kind of like, especially in a world where this is supposed to be, we're supposed to kind of understand that these are a bunch of bros on spring break, you know, <laughs> that are doing bro stuff, uh, that we couldn't uh, enjoy that a little bit, you know, I, without I necessarily going headlong into like and what is the true spark of humanity <laughs> like there is a there is a they they pull a switcheroo on you on that first episode and i'm trying to think where where are you with scott summers from x-men um what's his name the actor uh, i i i'm probably going to come back to him by the end of the episode but the last thing was a bunch of the bros on on spring break were like yeah we'll take him out on the on the ranger uh thing where he's going to show us some stuff out there and we get bored with him we'll just shoot him in the face okay all right, so there's stuff to be shown there. I liked how they, I like how they pulled a couple of switcheroos on me and made me think a guest was not, or they made me think a, a host was a guest. Yeah, I oh, like I mean, that. I think, listen, the 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 my enjoyment of that show will be determined by how well they execute based on the language yeah. that they have set out. Right, right, right. and, and you're right that that conceit. It's like an outer layer of 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 this onion. There is a conceit that is permanently there. And well, everything that's going to happen is always going to be seen through the lens of that conceit. There's no way around it. Exactly. And yeah. we're never going to get to a point where we're excited 
that somebody is having mind blowing sex with the uh with with the the blonde you know daughter right like the the you know the the one who is the kind of central robot that yeah they're having the conversation with like right. we're we're never going unless it's another robot breaking its protocol to have you know this satisfying human experience with her like we are we are always going to be in a position where it's it's going it's always going to be some level of non non consensual. Yeah, but we have now established that universe that these people are all. Yeah, you know, we should feel uncomfortable with how we feel about all the robots. Yeah, that's the right? yeah. I agree with that. That's exactly what they're doing. I mean, that is how this that's thing fun. is being, and that's good. And I hope the show uh, continues to succeed within that play that 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 play box. But for me, there was just a little bit of like, oh, okay, I guess we're not we're not going to spend you know. Stop me if I'm wrong, but it's like there's not going to be a ton of like amazing action adventure gifts that we're going to get from this show in the way that we could get from, you know, like Preacher or or uh, Game of Thrones or something. Like yeah, that. like like Tyrion slapping um, Junior over and over in yeah. a gif is not going to probably happen here. But but there have been some moments of. Oh, man, you're not to the malfunctioning sheriff yet, are you? No, yeah, he where he has the. He's like, well, I mean, I'm at the beginning. I assume that they put him back in and something happened. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember what episode that was in, but there's there's things that happen. Like, if the question is, can some memes grow out of this? I don't know. Maybe, probably. I, mean, I guess, like, and not every show has to be that kind of show. I guess right. don't take me to say that I don't like it. It's just there was there was a part of me that was hoping that there would be in a in a world of violence has no consequences and uh the 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 sex is a plenty that we could have gotten some voyeuristic you know violence without consequences and sex being a plenty right you, you like, may you may end up somewhere with that but you're right it's all shown it's all refracted through the light of why why have we gotten to a place in humanity where for $40,000 a day you can be a depraved freak exactly yeah and and, and knowing that and not and knowing that these aren't Chuck E. Cheese level robots, that these are very articulated, highly intelligent, uh, structured machines that are as like the real thing as you could get. Uh, knowing that, then they start to be more human. And the show is obviously going down the road of what happens when that stuff's introduced either through glitches or through intention. And some of that's still unknown why they're acting funny. But then they start to seem, whether human or not, they certainly sent, seem to be more sense, sentient, right? So yeah. so now we always have to be, oh, man, don't shoot her. Oh, dude, don't take her in the barn again. That's the fifth yeah. time this week. Like, you, you're, you're right. You're always going to see it through that. And I like that because I'm constantly being reminded, and I think the show's doing this on purpose. It is saying to us, it's fun. Escapism is fun. Until you tell it's to excess and it starts to become um, like the people, the people who are guests in this park, you start to see this like weird depravity um, cloaking itself in entertainment. And I think that's an interesting conversation to have about modern day things like video games or our political process or uh, uh, non-politically correct language versus politically correct language like all of those relationships are being kind of discussed here in a, in a big screen way. And yeah. I like that a lot. I like that we're, that it's, it's making me think in ways 
that if it was just Deadwood, I'd be like, well, he's a douche. Of course he's over there doing the thing he's doing. Well, I like that guy. He's going to stop that from happening. He's kind of flawed, but I still think he's cool. But you're looking at it because that's the Old West when it was the Old West and they're all doing Old West things. This has got this layer of like, yeah, but they're all, they all know, all the guests know this is fake and none of the hosts know that they're being abused in such a horrible way. And the company that's doing it is in one way sort of like feeling like they're they're making Disney World for the future and other times they just are looking at the morality of this and wondering what they've done. It's super interesting to me. I love yeah. that conflict. Listen, I, um, I'm excited to continue watching it. In fact, so excited that I think we should end the show so I can watch the last 10 minutes. That's what I think as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, yeah. for listening. Thank you for calling in, everyone who did. As you know, the show comes on Monday, so come on back. Be here live next Monday at 3 o'clock Mountain, 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific for another Hotline Monday. We'll have another hot take of some sort then. Uh, I guess that's it. We've done everything else. I guess I'll tell people that Hotline Monday is our uh, Twitter account. You can also find Justin at Justin R. Young, me at Scott Johnson, and you can call the show uh, when we're live at 801-895-4724. Email us at hotlinemonday at gmail.com. Justin, I think that's it. Anything else from you? Final words? See ya! Bye! This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> uh.